This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. The deal you've been waiting for is on now. Ford employee pricing. Details at MetroMotors.com. Time to go rink-wide on TSN 1040. Coming up this week on Rink-Wide. Drysaddle just needs a tie-up, and it's one back to Peterson, but it's slid right between his wickets, and Edmonton prevails in the season opener. Mike Smith, 31 saves. Connor McDavid, the game-winning goal with 5.23 left, and the Oilers will win on opening night by a score of 3-2 over the Vancouver Canucks. That's your final. I liked our game. I thought we spent a lot of the game in the zone and uh, I like the pace that we were playing with. I thought we were taking short shifts. Quite easily could have won that game and probably deserved to get a point at least. Petey and Louie looked awesome. They looked like they were full on equestrians. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was hilarious. So, uh, yeah, they were, uh, I think it's more the attire. I think it's just dressed, uh, they were dressed like they were going to a formal wedding and they were on a horse. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. It's a lot of good memories here in Calgary. It's, uh, you know, I always enjoy coming back and playing in front of this crowd and yeah, it's going to be fun. Very good team. It's a team you definitely can't overlook and no better way to, to get it going on, uh, on the home opener here. Now, Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. And Rinkwide is on your radio. J.D. Burke back in the hot seat with me, Andrew Wadden, this week as uh, Jeff Patterson filled in for you last week, J.D. So uh, big shoes to fill there as you fill in for the fill-in. We are Again. on the, the the shoulders of giants. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I I described it as like the uh, the Gretzky trade last year, where you know, like you went to Edmonton and we got J Pat to L A. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. fleeced you. Minus the money that went to Peter Pocklington, though, of course. And I went to Pittsburgh. Thank you very much. Nah, I guess so. Which yeah. is actually a beautiful city. I was expecting to yeah. hear all this stuff about it being an industrial heartland. It's beautiful. I've been. I've driven through Pittsburgh. Well, I, I used to spend my summers like summer vacation growing up. Uh, of course, I grew up just outside of Toronto, and we'd go down to South Carolina, which is very uh, common for people from my area. And we'd go down to Myrtle Beach for a couple weeks. So we'd always pass through Pennsylvania, and we, I, I got to see Pittsburgh, but only really in the car kind of thing. Looked like a pretty cool city, though. I remember Three Rivers. Three Rivers, Three Rivers, yeah. is it still... Uh, like, is it still there, or did they did they they blow it down? I, I didn't remember. see Three Rivers there. Yeah. I saw Heinz Field. I got to be yeah. in Heinz Field, yeah. and I got to see my uh, my my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, stomp the Bengals, which is always a treat. Yeah, always a treat. Well, and that's like a total bucket list off. Um, item, and I'm very glad that I got to experience that. Everybody should be stomping the Bengals this year. Of course, the, the Seahawks didn't really stomp them, but I'll give them a pass because they did get the win, and of course it was early in the season too, but uh, this isn't a football show. This is a hockey show. This is Rink right. Ride with myself, Andrew Wadden, and J.D. Burke. We are back together in studio and really excited uh, for this season. Of course, this is, I think, see, uh, episode three for us uh, this year. We did have a break in between there, of course. Uh, we got bumped. We got the B Bianca bump that one weekend with Bianca Andreescu, of course, in the uh, U.S. Open final. And if you're going to get bumped for anyone, that's you know quite the uh, person to be bumped by. Uh, guys, we want to be interactive with you throughout the show. We want you guys in our inbox, 104040, text us there, or email us live at tsn1040.ca. Uh, you can get at me at tw- on Twitter, at Andrew Wadden, that's W-A-D-D-E-N. What's your handle again, J.D.? It's just at J.D. J. Dylan Burke. Yeah, J. Dylan Burke. Spelled like well. Bob Dylan. 
and at TSN uh, 1040 as well. Big night ahead of us here as, uh, you know, if you guys heard Sports Saturday earlier, you know, we've got football, we've got uh, baseball, but of course, a big slate of hockey tonight. Six of the seven Canadian teams are in action tonight, including the Canucks and Flames, which is going to be a big one uh, from Calgary. Uh, before we get to that, let's let you know uh, who is on the show. Thomas Drance from uh, The Athletic in Vancouver uh, going to join us in the second segment here sometime around 1.30 there. And then in hour number two, we're also going to get another Athletic contributor, and that is Kent Wilson. He is the Athletic uh, Calgary Flames reporter as we get the other side of the uh, the opponent or the other uh, who the Canucks are going to face uh, tonight. You're going to hear JD's editorial. I don't know if we have a, quite a name for it just yet, but uh, JD's going to rant on. And then, of course, uh, all the other goods that you are familiar with here on Rinkwide, including who crushed it. Uh, and, of course, we only have one game to look at that as the Canucks uh, lost to the Edmonton Oilers. Before we get into the uh, dropping the puck here, uh, JD, just your overall thoughts on what you saw from game one between the Oilers and the Canucks. Um, of course, the Oilers escaped with the win, but afterwards, it sounded like the Canucks were quite pleased with the way they played, especially Travis Green. Well, I mean, rightly so. They they deserve to come out ahead in that hockey game, and I think a couple of odd bounces here or there, and they realistically could have. And you look at the Brandon Sutter clearing attempt, trying to hit Louis Erickson in stride, never really advisable to begin with. I mean, you put those two things together, and you're, you're pretty much damning yourself to a goal against, and that's exactly what happened. And it was a, a Connor McDavid type of play, the type of play that only he can make. Oh my the goodness. type of play where he has the puck knocked off his stick and still goes top corner like, on Jacob Markstrom, I, I, I and that's the difference. Tom Anik and I did a crossover before uh, Sports Saturday, and like that's one of those goals that you have in, in EA hockey. Like, yeah. where it just like... In, and, he, and just the acceleration, the, the hands, the way he's able to keep it on. I mean, just there's only a certain amount of guys in the league that can do that. Maybe only one at that speed. And, of course, uh, that's McDavid there. But uh, it was the ultimate got him, got him, got him. No, we lost him yeah. goal. Yeah. I mean, I mean, realistically, that was it. It just happened in an instant. Snap of a fingers and the Oilers get the victory. What I mean, like one of the things I was really curious about this season was like what are the Oilers going to be and of course they're they're kind of filling holes here in terms of like Nygaard is a, a new Nygaard sorry is a new player on the team as well and I remember when I was kind of going through the preview of their team I'm like who is this guy you know and but, Dayton Hess yeah, I like, think was another one a 28 year old from the NLA in, in Switzerland but they might get some good goaltending from Mike Smith this year I mean he's kind of had an up and down season he looked pretty good in that opening game but like I know we're, we want to focus on the Canucks more than anything else, but there are a few questions around the Oilers, because I get the feeling that, you know, come the 82 game mark, these two teams are going to be sniffing around each other. No, I I agree, and I think that's why it is prescient to discuss the Edmonton Oilers, because I think they are the Canucks' primary competition in this division, if not them, the Arizona Coyotes, and and we're going to see them face off against the Coyotes in short order, but for now, we have proof of concept for the one game against the Edmonton Oilers, and I think that overall, the, the Oilers are turning into a Dave Tippett hockey team. I have never seen them collapse to the center lane the way that they did. And you talk about that two-minute shift at the end of the first period, was it, where Quinn Hughes was basically keeping the, the puck on a string and, and outmaneuvering the entire team at a time. Beautiful. you love to see it. How many legitimate grade-A scoring chances did the Canucks get on that shift? And that's the sort of bend-don't-break mentality that Dave Tippett teams have. Now, the interesting thing for me is what's going to happen as this Edmonton Oilers team gets an injection of youth. And why I say that is because I look at 
what Ken Holland did this season. I hear things like he has a two-year plan to regain the trust of Connor McDavid. And I go, well, they got Tyler Benson in the wings, Cooper Marodi in the wings, Kyler Yamamoto. They've got some forward prospects who are eventually going to inject some skill into this lineup. So the interesting thing is going to be how Dave Tippett adjusts to that skill once he has it. I think right now he's trying to do uh, a lot with a little. And the best way to do that, as we know, is to clog up the center lane, collapse hard to your net, check hard, uh, fight for every loose puck. And we saw that kind of stymie the Canucks in a few instances there. Now, I, I, I mean, what they're going to be able to do this season, they're a really weird team for me because you never yeah. want to count out the team that has the best player in the NHL. Yeah. And you never want to count out a team that Arguably has the best two, player. Arguably like, two top five players in the yeah, NHL. absolutely. And the other one scored 50 goals last season on the, on Just this a festering morass of an, of, of an NHL roster. Just an absolute beast. And, and don't forget Jesse Bouliarvia. They're going to eventually do something with that asset. And as he you know produces over in Europe right now, we'll see what they can get in a return uh, for that. All right, let's drop the puck on the Canucks. Let's start with the captaincy. We heard from Travis Green earlier in the week, and they, he said it. Yep, we're doing it. We're going to have a captain. The Canucks put it out in a tweet as well. Here's our a leadership group. You know, maybe it's going to come from one of these four. We all expect it to be Bo Horvat. Wink, wink. Yeah. Shoulder nudge. Yeah, but it was elbow kinda, to the chest. It was kind of interesting. Did you see when Blake Price kind of stirred up the pot a little bit? Because he did, he asked the question, you know, to the Canucks. Hey, the way you guys have phrased this with your tweet, it almost seems like it's not going to be out of this four. And then, of course, the Canucks came back and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, no, no, no. It could come out of the four guys. And Typical if, negativity. Yeah. <laughs> that was the negativity <laughs> here on TSN 1040. Uh, but honestly, though, like some people were going at Blake for that, but it's, but he was right to ask that question because we look at it, and I think everybody else does, and goes, hey, it's Bo Horvat. Like, what are you talking about? I mean, I even know people that are like the most casual of Canuck fans, and they're all like, hey, I heard Bo's going to be captain this year. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I think it would have been, you know, just crazy if they had have handed it over to Elias Patterson, which was looked like something perhaps could happen. You know, maybe... Maybe, it, you know, we get blown away on Wednesday, but I think the uh, safe bet is they're going to give it to Bo. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think there was some discussion in this offseason about Elias Pettersson, and I reported as much, that there were voices in the organization that had uh, Pettersson as a preferential choice to Bo Horvat, but obviously those voices, I think, have been outweighed. I think it's just a matter of time before we see that C put onto Bo Horvat's chest. It's been a two-year coronation since the Sedins left, and this is going to be the least surprising captaincy in hockey, I think. What's really bizarre to me is that they're doing it on the third game of the season. Okay, I was just going to ask you that. That is really weird. So, like, but do you, okay, so I know Jeff Patterson was like, well, if they're going to give it to Bo, which we all expect, or if they're just going to announce a captain, why the hell are you doing it, you know, at game three of the season? Why don't you do you it at still game? have the presentation yeah, if you true. strap the C yeah. on his chest yeah. for Thursday night's game against the Oilers. But I mean, I have to take the other side of the coin there and look at it in terms of a marketing standpoint uh, for the Canucks. I, I, I think it's a good idea to do it that way. Now, I wish that they opened the season at home, so we wouldn't have to have this sort of debate. Yep. And you know what? Really, at the end of the day, does it really matter if he's wearing nope. a C at two games on the road before they go home? I mean, everybody in the dressing room knows who the captain is. I mean, it, it's not a secret to them, right? So, uh, I can see why in terms of a marketing standpoint, it, uh, they, they want to do it that way. I'm interested to see who they're going to trot out. Of course, with that tweet, we saw you know the likes of Steamer. We saw uh, Trevor Linden in there. We saw uh, <laughs> Henrik Sedin there as well. And then, of course, uh, Orland 
Colin Kurtenbach, uh, and then Roberto Luongo, which was a great tweet, by the way. Amazing. Amazing. Strombone is still one of the best follows on Twitter, even though he's not in the league anymore. I'd love to see him do like some TV or something, uh, and I expect that uh, perhaps with the uh, Florida Panthers. But I'm I'm interested to see who they're going to try out. You know, Marcus Naslin was in that tweet as well. Will Marcus Naslin be coming on Wednesday? Will Mark Messier be? I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would blow my mind. Wow. Could you imagine? Like, the roof might blow off with the amount of booze if they trotted mess out there. But uh, I don't know if you're going on Wednesday night. I'm going to make my way to the game. I'm interested to see how exactly they present it. I liked how the Leafs did theirs the other night. With uh, Of course you did. Oh, shut of up. course you did. Shut up. But it's okay. Jason, are you hearing uh, this? Come on. Now, like, I like the way they did it because they kept you in suspense. Like, I... I for one, thought that Morgan Riley might actually have a shot at it. I thought maybe he would be the cat, and then of course they did it. A- bias a- 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 on top of bias. You got the Vancouver right. bias for Morgan Riley. Oh God, the chair! Yeah, I forgot yeah. it's wired up. All right, <laughs> sorry, Croker. I forgot the chair was wired up. Now no what? more leaf talk here in a Canuck show. But no, I, I'm interested to see how they exactly they do it. And what sort of you know what interests me is whether Elise Pettersson is going to step into the vacated assistant captaincy. The alternate captain. Alternate. I, I, I've heard three I know. different variations. Growing up, it was always assistant captain to me, and then now it's just over the years has changed to alternate. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever either, it either is, way you I it. wonder if Elias Pettersson is going to step into that spot. Because I know that there are people in the Canucks organization who see him as somebody who leads by example. Well, they didn't who, have him on that list of, of the four guys, so... So, I, well, I mean, if they subtract somebody from that list, there would be room for another person, I, yeah. in, in theory. So that's going to be interesting to see. One thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, how did you feel about Tyler Myers' performance in the first game against the Edmonton Oilers? Because I look at his his 5-on-5 shot totals, I look at the role he played, and obviously I was not terribly fond of the signing in the summer. I, I, I still yeah. maintain that position. I don't care if he puts up 45 points this year. I will still maintain that position. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Because Defensively, what, you mean? Yeah, defensively. Yeah. I That's think what you're Canucks, worried about the most. I think 45 Canucks points would be great. Critically misunderstand the, the player that they have in tow. I think all of his value is derived offensively, whereas they have talked about somebody who's going to improve their in-zone defense, uh, kind of work that narrative. It reminds me of a luxury version of, of when they got Sam Gagne and they just did not understand his, his skill set, his capabilities. But I thought he played really well in his debut. And I'm going to give credit where yeah. due, because if you guys are going to yell at me about being negative, yada, yada, I'll, I'll give the man his due. Those were tough minutes, and I think he came out, I think, with a plus 10 shot attempt differential. It's one game sample, but I liked what I saw. What's really interesting to me as a sidebar to all this is the fact that I'm of the belief that their defensive depth chart on the right side is almost arranged in the opposite order of quality, whereas I think that Troy Stetcher belongs on that first pair with Alexander Edler, and we've seen it through the last two years. He eventually gets there. It eventually happens. He has to work his way up, though. And he played barely tw- uh, 10 minutes at 5-on-5 five five in the season opener. I mean, I do wonder, like, what's Troy Stetcher's thoughts on this? Yeah, and there was a moment there where they did have Stetcher and Hughes. I mean... Uh, no penalty kill time. Yeah, Travis, no power play time. Travis Green was really mixing things up. He was throwing a lot of different combinations out there. I did notice that when Stetcher and Hughes were together on the ice, and I thought to myself, hey, like, this is something I can get behind, but I did, didn't see enough of it. Of course, Quinn that Hughes... That pairing would make me exceedingly happy. Yeah, I, w- I would be, exactly. And, of course, what we saw with Quinn Hughes, uh, you know, over 10 minutes of ice time in the third period. But going back to your 
your initial question about Tyler Myers, uh, yeah, I was pleasantly uh, surprised at uh, how well he did out there. Of course, he he was able to produce uh, what well, they thought it was his goal at first, but they ended up getting tipped. So you know he's getting on the score sheet as well. We expect that from after Myers. a rough preseason too. I yeah. think which is why we have to highlight this because uh, he really struggled in the preseason. Yeah. I thought for whatever that's worth, which is ultimately nothing. But it was our first real live view at what he can bring to the Canucks lineup. Yeah, uh, we did have uh, well we, we we had that on the list as well. But this was also here uh, the Louis scratch. So here we are. It took seventy games last year to make him a healthy scratch. We're at game two now, and I said this on Sports Saturday, but I'll say it again. Why the hell is Louis Erickson on this team even? Like, why are you? Uh, you know, putting Sen Berchi down in the minors and keeping Louis Erickson. And not only that, why do you play him one game and then you scratch him? It just doesn't make sense to me. We had someone in the inbox say they showcased him. I'm like, you've got to be kidding no, me. That's, showcased him. The rest of the league knows who he is. He's not anybody new. He's Louis freaking Erickson. He's the garbage man. And on that note, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, if you're not reading The Armies, which is the newest incarnation of the post-game yeah. coverage... We'll talk why, to Thomas Trance about that. ...why it's got something really cool coming up in the Louis Erickson vein. Oh. I'm not going to say what's up. I'm not going to spoil it. He's got some good stuff in the works. We will have... Uh, well, I guess we're going to be doing our roundtable. We'll do that on the uh, 26th of this month. We try to do a, a roundtable with uh, my, my uh, us two, of course, Wyatt Arndt and uh, uh, Harmon Dial as well. So stay tuned to that. Uh, that'll be coming up in a few weeks. Uh, but some interesting stuff there. And we will get to the Army's uh, talk to Thomas Trance about that and all the coverage uh, that we're going to get uh, from the Athletic this year. But I know you wanted to rant on this. Are you doing your editorial today on Sven Berchi? Should we oh, hold you it know off? It. Oh, okay, you know so, it. So let's hold off then. I don't want you to, to give all your goods right just yet. No. Um, let's let's transition to Jake for Tannen then. I think tonight is a yeah. showcase game. Whoa. You've built a scoring third line in theory. In theory, you've got Adam Gaudet, Josh Levo, who I think quite highly of, and Jake Vertanen on that line. We've heard that Jake Vertanen is killing penalties in practice. This is a hockey night in Canada marquee matchup. They're showcasing him. That's my belief. I'm not dropping a report. I'm not dropping a rumor. I am reading the tea leaves, and this is what they are telling me, that this is a showcase game for Jake Vertanen. And we'll see how he performs. Yeah, nine minutes of ice time in, in the first game. He had three hits, but, I mean, did you really notice anything out of Jake in that game? At did you all? notice anything positive out of him in the preseason? No. Well, first of all, showing up, you know, I don't want to say out of shape because these guys are all in good shape, but not testing the way it's they wanted relative, to test It's all relative, right? Yeah, it's all yeah. relative. And I know Travis Green isn't happy with the oh, state of affairs there. And rightly so. Rightly so. I think the way that I interpret the out of shape, and I'm using scare quotes. Because uh, we're not two guys there. to be talking about shape. Huh? No, no. Yeah. As I look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a time. Yeah, yeah. Ten years, years ago for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I think about what's what's going on there, and I say to myself, that's a baseline. And if he couldn't reach the baseline, you know the expectation is that they beat it, right? Well, yeah, and like not only that. Like, they're not asking you to hit that number. They're asking you to do yes, better than it, Yeah, don't just, I think. Yeah, exactly. Don't like, settle. And you know when they had the exit interviews last year that this is it. Like, listen, this summer is crucial for you, Jake. And, you know, we've heard whatever because he's a local boy. So you, if you if you hear the rumors around, I, I, I know he was out about town, sure. But guess what? He's allowed to do that. They're all allowed to do that. They're 
They're young guys. You know, they're having fun. That doesn't mean they're not training hard. But when you come into, uh, you know, training camp and you don't make the marks that you're talking about, don't even, like, not only not making the mark, not exceeding it. Like, this is what you should be expected to do. This is your chance right now. You only get one shot, right? It's like the Eminem song, right? You only get one shot. Knees so, weak, arms heavy. Yeah, like, just make Mom's sure. spaghetti. <laughs> you know the lyrics, even, so. I live that song, man. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, this is your chance to do it because, uh, you know, you got all the tools. They're there. But they just don't come out of the box that often. And it's frustrating. And it's getting to the point now. He's polarizing in this market because some people are like, I don't know, man. We could be trading away the next Cam Neely. But that ship has got to be sailed at this point. Like, come on, people. Yeah, yeah. You look at Todd Bertuzzi, who had more points in his rookie year than Jake's ever achieved. Different I mean, NHL like, then, though. No. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, a no, lower scoring yeah, NHL. Yeah, I guess so, then. yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I, I just I don't see it. I think we have to come to the reality that he is who he is. And he's getting into that age group where... He is what he is. Okay, so if he is what he is, what is he to the Canucks? Is he is he a valuable asset or someone that they should move from? I think he's someone that they should move on while there is any remaining cachet from his sixth overall selection. I think you can always sell people on that. And you look at Jim Benning and some of the work that he's done, I think he is the proof of concept. You look at Derek Pouliot, you look at basically any failed first-rounder, Jim Benning has been the first one on that phone. I think it's time that the turn's tabled, and I think it's time that the Canucks looked at something else. I mean, it, look, I was asked on Friday by Jason Bruff and, and Mike Halford. Would you do Vertanen for Hosang? Yes. Would I do Vertanen for Daniel Sprong? Yes. I think Vertanen needs a change of scenery probably. Again, strictly speculation, not putting anything rampant out there. I, I, I just think that they can put him to better use as an asset to, to mobilize and create uh, new investment in a new asset who might be able to reach a higher ceiling. Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to pose that question then to Thomas Drance on the other side. We're going to speak to him live from Calgary. Thomas Drance coming up next right here. It's Wide, the show that always scores on TSN 1040. And now, a giant minute with Dan O'Connor. The 2019-20 WHL season is underway, and so far there's been a lot to talk about for the Vancouver Giants. Alex Kanek-Liepert has been named captain. Bowen Byram has returned to the Giants from the NHL, and the returning vets are showing early on that they're serious about returning to the WHL finals. Now it's time for some major team bonding. The Giants are heading east for a road trip through the prairies that will see them play six games against the East Division between October 4th and 12th. In fact, the next seven games altogether for the Giants will take place on the road, providing a strong challenge for Michael Dick's crew early on. The Giants' next home game goes Saturday, October 18th against the Swift Current Broncos. Vancouver Giants ice packs are on sale now. This year, they've created options for everybody. Join the Giants in their quest for the Memorial Cup. Ice packs start at just $123. To learn more, visit VancouverGiants.com slash ice packs. That is Travis Green talking about the top line of the Vancouver Canucks. Didn't get a lot of, actually didn't get any playing time together in the preseason. Of course, Michael Furlan coming down with that sickness. Lost six pounds in like, what, a weekend or something like that? Was it, J.D.? I kind of, I could use that. Something to that effect. I could use that. Sounds like a parasite, to be honest with you. 
How do I get that flu? Yeah, I want that flu as well. And sorry, were you saying that they were down with the sickness? Down? Oh, you like that, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're listening to Rink Wide here, guys. It's the show that always scores. J.D. Burke and myself, Andrew Wadden, we're going to be joined uh, in just a moment by the tiny drancer. Yeah, that's right. I'm singing. I'm singing again. I heard the boys in the morning show are, are doing something. I, actually, McClatch was snickering to himself in the prep lounge the other day, putting together Thomas Drance's new intro. So uh, bring him in here, Jay uh, Croker. Let's let, let's talk to Drancer. Uh, Thomas, have you? Did you know about this? You know, Clutch has got, uh, you know, one, you know how they do those bruff songs with him going mm, the whole time. Well, there's yeah, and then, then they've got uh, the Jeff Patterson one, which was phenomenal. I love the the Panama with Patterson, but yours is pretty easy, right? Tiny Drancer, and you should have saw Clutch in there the other day, literally like a, a schoolgirl sitting there snickering to himself. So uh, be prepared for that, buddy. Uh, how's everything in Calgary? Uh, of course, I talked to Jeff Patterson on Sports Saturday, uh, but of course, new audience here in with us so uh, get us updated what's going on with the Canucks tonight we see that uh, Louis Erickson a healthy scratch Adam Gaudet in the lineup uh, you expecting big things from the youngster yeah hey gentlemen how are you see <laughs> I haven't I haven't caught wind of my new intro music by the okay. way so just to go back but I do love the idea of having rough songs especially because his speaking voice kind of sounds like every crash test dummy song that's true is. so I feel like it's really easy uh, to just translate that over in terms of the Canucks and, and specifically as it pertains to the third line I, you know I I kind of think that this third grouping with uh, Lebo, Gaudet, and Vertanen strikes me as problematic for many of the reasons that the, you know, Sutter, uh, Lebo, and Vertanen line that practiced together, but ultimately was sort of separated on, on Tuesday, but early last, early this past week, um, did. And, and, you know, to me, it's just three righties, not really a natural playmaker. You know, the calibration of that line, I, I mean, I, I just don't know that it's going to maximize anyone's real abilities. Um, you know, not having a natural puck distributor, not having a guy who's going to drive play, uh, you know, across zones, um, you know, seems like a bit of a tough circumstance for, for Godet uh, to start with. But, you know, we'll see how long it lasts. This is a very fast Calgary team. Uh, this is a Calgary team that fills the back of the net, having perhaps a, a more offensive-minded player like Gaudet inserted into the lineup just makes matchup sense. And, you know, it's a big opportunity for him. It's hockey night. There'll be a lot of eyeballs. And, the, again, this Flames team, you know, they had a terrible first period against Colorado the other day. But just the rate at which they play and, and their team speed, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be a very difficult matchup for the Canucks tonight, no question. Uh, you know, the Flames can look like they're playing a different sport. And so we'll see how he does. But certainly not a plum assignment for him or not a he's not easing his way in here. Rink wide on TSN 1040. We're joined by Thomas Trance of the Athletic Vancouver, one of their new beat reporters. Tom, do you think that this is a bit of a showcase matchup for Jake Vertanen, who obviously displeased some within the Canucks organization, showing up to camp not meeting his goals? He played on the fourth line through the first game of the season, didn't get many minutes, was only beaten in that uh, was only beat in that department by Tim Schaller for the lowest on the team at five on five, and and much of the language from Travis Green has not been overly complimentary. Where, where do you see this heading, and do you think tonight is the start of something much larger behind the scenes? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I think the Britannian saga, you know, and especially as it sort of unfolded through September with him, you know, 
occasionally being used as an extra or lining up on the fourth line. Uh, you know, tonight he's in the top nine, and, uh, you know, it's definitely a big opportunity for him. As I said, a lot of eyeballs uh, on this game. So if you're going to showcase a guy, this might be the time to do it. On the other hand, you know, putting him with a second-year center who struggled um, in his rookie season and who remains a right-handed shot, not, not exactly the, you know, circumstance you'd best design to showcase Jake Vertanen maybe gives us some pause on that. You know, I think that my guess of it anyway is uh, that might be part of it. I think that's certainly it certainly would behoove the organization to keep him in the lineup and uh, see if he can refine some of what he showed last fall uh, here. On the other hand, I also do think against a team like Calgary, you kind of need Jake Vertanen's speed in your bottom six, and, and I think that's probably as big a part of it as anything else. You know, um, Obviously, Vertanen's decision-making with the puck and his defensive play leaves some to be desired, but in terms of what he can do through the neutral zone and in terms of just his speed, you know, I, I do think it's important to have that, uh, especially against a, a team as fast you know, throughout the lineup uh, as the Flames are. Yeah, I think you might have just answered the poll question we just put up. We're asking the people, what should the Canucks do with Jake Furtanen, trade him or keep him? And for, judging by your response there, is your thoughts that you should to keep him? You know, I, I, I think it's obviously a complicated situation for a variety of reasons. In terms of, you know, what we've seen from Jake, I think there is, you know, a possibility that I, you know, basically I think Jake Vertanen could be a useful secondary piece if you had, like, the right left-handed depth centerman um, on sort of an offensively calibrated third line. And, you know, maybe if, if, if he had the right line mates and he had the right circumstances, I think he could help uh, playoff team. But I think with Sutter and Beagle, uh, two righties who aren't exactly known for their playmaking in the bottom six, I just don't see a real fit for him in Vancouver at the moment. And, you know, I think that's a difficult situation for management because, you know, Jake has the pedigree of being the sixth overall pick. And obviously the organization's invested in him. Obviously the market is invested in him. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people rooting for him to work this out uh, in, in Vancouver. So, you know, th there's just so many reasons why they have to tread carefully here in terms of what we've seen from him. I mean, you know, he's not really a young player anymore and he is going to have our brights following this season. Um, you know, it's going to be complicated and it's going to be an interesting situation to monitor. Do I think they should keep him? Um, you know, I think that, I think that overall it probably makes sense to figure it out and, and, and move on to a player who maybe fits your lineup a little bit better. Um, if they can find the right return. But, you know, I also think when it comes to a young asset like Jake, you can't just be sort of cutting your losses too hastily. And, and um, so, yeah, I guess I'm dithering. But overall, <laughs> I, I don't think that it's going to – at this point, I think we've seen enough to be skeptical about whether or not it's going to ever work out for him here and whether or not that means a uh, change of scenery might benefit him, might benefit the org as a whole. Um, you know, that's an open question and a complicated one. I probably lean toward yes, but for a variety of factors, as I've outlined, contract status, uh, the investment of the market, the investment of the team, um, I do think it's a little bit more complicated than just a yes or a no. That's exceedingly fair. This is Rink Wide on TSN 1040, joined by the Athletic Vancouver's Thomas Drance. We're talking all things Canucks ahead of their matchup tonight against the Calgary Flames in Calgary.
Calgary. Now, you want to talk about somebody who could maybe add something to this organization, somebody from out of town, somebody <laughs> who would have a low acquisition cost, perhaps. I think you know where I'm going with this one, Tom. <laughs> Please, yeah. explain to me your thoughts on the spend Berchi demotion. I can't make sense of it in any real capacity, and it's going to be my rant when we go into the second hour. Uh, still coming up with a name for that segment. Uh, it's pending. Uh, certainly taking suggestions, but for now, I'll just take your thoughts on Sven Berchi. Where do you stand on this one, Drance? Where do you see that heading? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think he's going to be back at some point because I think he is, you know, he's what, the fourth or fifth most efficient rate scorer uh, this organization has over the past three years. Obviously, he's had some injury trouble. He's had some issues staying in the lineup. But when he's healthy, I think it's clear that he is certainly one of the six best offensive forwards on the team and, and one of the nine best forwards all out on the team. And typically, I don't think you can keep a player like that out of the lineup over the long term, especially if this bottom six continues to you know, struggle to score, struggle to contribute. So we'll sort of see where it goes. I, I know that he's in immigration limbo at the moment. Uh, I, I would expect him to be in Utica either later this weekend or early next week. And, you know, he's going to eat AHL competition for breakfast. And I don't know that that's, I mean, it's not going to help the Canucks, but, and it's not going to help the Canucks develop prospects in Utica either. But, you know, from Berchi's perspective, considering how sparingly he played last year, uh, you know, getting those huge minutes and, and getting some flow back, you know, might not be the worst thing for him overall. I do think we're going to see him back in Vancouver at some point. I don't think the final chapter of his Canucks story is written or even close to it. And once he's back, I do think he can help the team. And because that's apparent, you know, sports forces you to reckon with results pretty regularly. So, you know, while I agree with you that it was an odd decision, um, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a baffling one, but certainly an odd one. Uh, you know, I also think that the club needs players who can contribute like Sven can offensively. And because of that, and because of what this team needs, and because of the pressure on this organization to win sooner rather than later, in my view, certainly by Christmas, I would expect to see him back and, and be a regular in the Canucks lineup. Tom, you know I love you, buddy, but I got to ask, explain the Tim Schaller thing to me. I see it on Twitter. I see it <laughs> in other forums. Walk me through this. Yeah, explain me too. It, I need to know to this. Explain me like I'm a five-year-old, which is how you usually explain things to me. <laughs> okay, here's my Tim Schaller take. Uh, you know, Tim Schaller is, in my view, a above-average defensive player on your fourth line. I don't think he's got a ton of ceiling to move up the lineup and be productive, but I do think that he's a guy who, in a bottom-of-the-roster role, can help you control play, uh, limit what the opposition gets, limit what tertiary competition gets, um, and, you know, be a useful sort of piece, especially if you're looking for your fourth line to play some low-event hockey, be physical, win puck battles, uh, come up with the puck in 50-50 situations and, and just get the zone clear. You know, in terms of the offense, and, and I have predicted him, predicted that he'll score 10 goals. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm considering walking it back already after eight minutes of five-on-five time. So, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding, though. Uh, obviously, I'm going to ride with this until it becomes completely unpalatable. But when I see a guy who struggled so enormously last season, and I see a guy who 
based on what we've seen, even in that Edmonton game, but certainly throughout the preseason, looks to be, you know, more physical, more comfortable, a little bit faster. I see a guy with significant bounce back potential. He scored 10 goals before in his career. I think that in a fourth line role, killing some penalties, he can be a lot better than he was last year. And I do think he'll bounce back, Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of reasons to look over his career track record and recognize that while he's not a super uh, useful offensive contributor, he does bring a lot to the defensive side of the puck. He's better than he showed last season, and those are the reasons I see him as due for a bounce back. He's going to regress to a mean level, and his mean level, in my view, is credible or better fourth-line center who could – or fourth-line – forward, excuse me, who can be genuinely helpful in that role. Well, Tom, it's not baffling. It's just an odd take. And I think (laughs) on that note, we're going to let you go. Thanks so much for joining us and giving us some of your time. Really enjoying your work on the Athletic Vancouver. And you're actually working with one of our Steam TSN... 1040 colleagues, Jeff Patterson, on the NuxCast. Can yeah. you tell our audience a little bit about that before you head out? Absolutely. So it's a project with The Athletic, and a big thank you to the TSN 1040 family for permitting Jay pat and I to, to work together on this. So we're doing two podcast episodes a week. It's going to be one early in the week that's available wherever you find your podcasts, whether it's Stitcher or Google Podcasts or the podcast app through Apple Music. Um, and that's completely free, not behind the paywall uh, for, for listeners to tune into. And then we'll be doing a secondary episode uh, later in the week, every week, that will be behind the athletic pay- paywall exclusive to the VIPs. Uh, but we're going to bring you all things Canucks, just coverage, complaints about how much gum I ask for. And coming up uh, early next week, I'd, I'd expect significant recaps from our lengthy boy band road trip with Harmon Dial and Patrick Johnston of the province. Um, we've had a lot of fun just sort of driving through the province of Alberta together uh, as, a, as a group. And, and we've got some good stories to share with our listeners, uh, which we will do on the next cast with Jay Pat and Drancer early next week, wherever you find your podcast. Yeah, I saw that photo of the the four of you guys there, and it looked like you know you were like that old weathered boy band that just added the youngster <laughs> in Armandale to kind of <laughs> up your ante a little bit there. But uh, hey, great stuff. Also, you got the armies as well. Uh, to let the people know just kind of quickly about that, as uh, uh, the athletes and uh, you know the provies have been you know put up into the rafters, so to speak, and you kind of got the new thing going now with the armies. Yeah, so we we launched the athletic Vancouver's new post-game feature, and we're calling it the Armies. It's a collaborative project between the stanchion Wyatt Arndt, uh, the boy genius Harmon Dial, and Drancer myself. And, you know, all three of us were, were close with Jason, and, and I think all three of us have different aspects um, to bring uh, that sort of mirror not not all of what Jason brought, but, but some of it. And, you know, I think in considering what, you know, the VIPs wanted from post-game coverage, we thought it was important to keep a similar format and to deliver on, on some similar types of content in terms of the irreverence, in terms of the obsessiveness, in terms of the video breakdowns, in terms of the original reporting. And I think we recognized as we sort of thought about it and thought about the best way to go about this, that there's no one man who can do the athletics. It's a towering, crowning achievement, and it deserved to be retired and remembered as the masterpiece that it was. And it, re- and it deserves to be remembered also as being Jason's. So, you know, in reference to Jason's frequent call that it takes an army to win in the NHL, we figured it would take an army to replace the athletics. We've rebranded it, the armies, in reference to that. 
And the response to our first sort of go around um, was pretty positive. We've got Wyatt stepping up tonight. He'll be at the wheel. Harmon and I will both be at the rink contributing. And, you know, I'm really excited about the project. I think it's going to track and, and figure out its own own way. It's going to be something distinct. Um, it's going to be something new, and it's going to find its own path here. But but I also think it's important to acknowledge what's come before it, and I think this does so in a, in a, in a neat way. And you know, I, I'm looking forward to producing them and contributing them uh, throughout this season. And just the last thing I'll say is. In doing it the other night, we didn't leave the rink till like 2.30. And in terms of just cutting video and all the work that went into it, I have a completely new appreciation for just what a beast Jason was as a journalist and, and as a multitasker. Um, you know, it's a, it's a mammoth undertaking that we've decided to take on here. Uh, I, I'm confident we haven't bit off more than we can chew, but it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope all the VIPs and all the Canucks fans out there enjoy reading it throughout this season. Yeah, tip of the cap to that. Uh, Drancer, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, gentlemen. All the best. Thomas Trance, the Athletic Vancouver. Went a little long in that segment, guys, so we're going to have to uh, take a break here, but we'll uh, we'll unpack everything there on the other side. We'll also let you know who crushed it. You're listening to Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores right here on TSN 1040. Vancouver Giants ice packs are on sale now, starting at just $123. Join the Giants in their quest for the Memorial Cup. To learn more, visit VancouverGiants.com slash ice packs. Yes, 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 that's the goal horn. It's rink-wide, the goal, the goal, the show that always scores. Andrew Wad and J.D. Burke here. Going to let you know who crushed it for the Canucks. Tim Schaller. Tim Schaller, that's it. We're out. We're done. <laughs> Cord- Very effective Cord- nine minutes. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get used to that tiny drancer. I like when he, doing that. When he calls me, I pick up the phone and I start going, Hold me closer, tiny drancer. Ah, yeah. Drancing for money. Tim Schaller's got some incriminating photos. He's got to, right? Like, what? what is it? What is he seeing <laughs> that we... I was going to say that to him, but I, you were already giving him the gears. And then I read him by text Tim Okay, so who crushed it this week, guys? Uh, and uh, It's pretty simple. Uh, um, I loved the game from Tanner Pearson the other day. He gets on the score sheet, 11 shots on goal, over 16 minutes of ice time. Here's a guy that I think throughout this sort of offseason, we kind of were like, mm, what do we got here with Tim Tanner Pearson? And uh, he's showing that, you know, this guy belongs. Especially, I think it's the way he's being deployed with this team, J.D., is why he's having success as a Canuck. I know he was able, he bounced around a little bit there, uh, but kind of refound his game uh, with the Canucks. So Tim Schaller is my first first pick uh, for who crushed it this week. 11 shots on goal in that loss. Over 16 minutes of ice time. And my other pick, just one other guy, uh, Quinn Hughes. Had an assist on the, uh, in the game. Over 23 minutes of ice time, including, what was it, 10.08 or something like that in the third period. I don't think we can expect to see those staggering minutes each and every night from Quinn Hughes. But, my God, is it's just, it's so crazy to think about the Canucks defensemen over the years. Like, I, I heard this in discussion. I, I don't know what show it was on uh, earlier in the week here. But, you know, there's an argument that Alex Edler is the greatest Canucks defenseman of all time. Now, there's an argument that, you know, Matias Owen's definitely up there, uh, but in terms of offensive output, I mean, who's the best? Who's the best offensive defenseman we've seen in Canucks history? <laughs> no, like, is it Lume? And are we going back that far? I'm not that old man. I don't know. 
Well, sure, you know who, you know, okay, that's it, you're being a jackass. <laughs> All right, anyway, Quinn Hughes, and it's, it's refreshing to see, put it that way, to have an offensive dynamo uh, like Quinn Hughes on the back end. And uh, like I said, I don't expect him to log over 23 minutes of ice time every night, but to see that uh, was, and then look at Alex Edler, 25 minutes, 25-40, uh, and he gets a goal as well. So uh, some good things there, and uh, Tyler Myers getting on the score sheet as well. Uh, Jacob Markstrom getting the start in goal tonight. Uh, did you expect that, from JD, or do you, you? Because I mean, hey, look at it. We look at it this way now. Markstrom's going to play opening night here in Vancouver as well, right? So the first three games. Divisional are matchup. Yeah. Divisional matchup. I mean, look, the most optimistic outlook for the Canucks this season is they're fighting for eighth overall in the Western Conference. Yeah. And to do that, you need to treat these like four point games, even in October. So, not surprised. I get it. I think Demko is going to get more starts this year. I just think we're going to have to wait a little bit longer than oh. perhaps anticipated. Okay, we're right up against it, though. But give me a number that Demko is going to play this year. 22. All right, 22 games there. I, I, I think that's about right. Okay, on the other side, you are going to get into a little rant, are you not? Do you, have, you don't have a name for it yet? Well, you've got five minutes to figure it out. It's rink-wide right here, TSN 1040. TSN Radio is where the NFL lives. Mahomes to Pepsi with a grab in the middle of the end zone. Touchdown! Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, we're in the thick of it. Pressure coming up the middle. Puts Khalil back and he's got it. It's a massive sack. The National Football League is on. Christian McCaffrey, second of the night. TSN 1040. One play, 75-yard ball. Yeah, welcome back to Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores. J.D. and Andrew here with you. This is our podcast music. Remember we had this one as our bridge for our podcast. J.D., you're here. Are you on the radio with me? Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, you're just I'm, over there head nodded. I'm, I'm digging the, the groovy tunes, my dude. Uh, yeah, for those that uh, listen to the podcast uh, throughout the, what was it, we did that throughout the playoffs uh, last year once the regular season ended for the Canucks, that was basically when the show ended here on the radio, but then we took it into podcast form and had Harmon Dial on there with us a few times and uh, took you guys all the way through the playoffs uh, right up to uh, trade deadline with the Canucks. And JD, when we did those podcasts, we didn't really do any editorializing outside of maybe just giving our strong opinions that we have each and every week here uh, on Rinkwide. We're going to dig into the inbox in just a moment. A lot of stuff coming in here and want to get to some of it. But uh, you have an editorial and you're about ready to rant on Sven Barchi, Barchi, whatever you want to call it. I know it goes both ways. Peterson, Patterson. Uh, but what are you calling this new editorial? J.D. J.D. The Manifesto. Oh! Well, Manifesto, I am friend. getting on my soapbox, and I am about to bring the heat on the Sven Berchi demotion. Because it is hocus. It is a sham. That they looked at this bottom six as currently constructed with the great Tim Schaller, Brandon Sutter coming off of back-to-back -back hernia, Jay Beagle, another year older. And they thought to themselves, we've got enough skill. We've got enough skill in our top six. We've got people dedicated to their roles. Well, you know what? The team that scores the most goals wins. And you know who helps you do that? Sven Berchi, not the bottom six that was outscored by a 2-1 to margin last season. Preach. 
Sven Berchi contributed at a close to half a point per game rate last season for the Vancouver Canucks. Do you know where that puts him on the team? I do not. That puts him fifth in scoring. Do you know where Sven Berchi sits in wins above replacement added to the Canucks since the 2015-16 season? Seventh. Oh. Good now, you cannot tell me that he is not among the 13 best forwards in this organization. You cannot tell me that it's about his injury history when you've got Mr. Double Hernia playing fourth line right winger at a cap hit at $4.35 million. You can't tell me that this team has enough playmaking wingers when you've got JT Miller up there and an empty void, a black hole of nothingness. This is a team that is going to have to scratch and claw and fight and bite and fight dirty for every point they get to fight for that eighth overall spot. There are jobs on the line, multiple. And they think to themselves, we've got enough skill in this lineup. They think to themselves that this isn't going to work negatively in the room. How do you think the team is reacting to this? Sven Berchi, a new father. Sven Berchi, who they had no problem playing in meaningless hockey games for the final, what, two weeks of the season? A lost season in which they finished with a, what, 10th overall pick? It was okay then, but it's not now? I'm not buying it. And that's the manifesto. Manifest, my friend. I like it. That's right. We're I like the a... name. Like, you just came up with that with, like, the, in the break there. Well, yeah, somebody was yelling at me about being a communist on Twitter. So I was like, it's, yeah. it's right there. I'm wearing a red shirt with Paul Treatum, RIP from Star Wars. I mean, like, it, it, it all made sense. I mean, the red shirt part. Oh. Who's the guy on the front? Paul Treatum. He's from Star Wars? Look him up. Okay. Google it. Okay. Uh, hey. You're, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to uh, that editorial to me. Uh, I, I'm on that train. Um, I don't know why they... I mean, like, the thing that really gets me out of all of it is you keep Louie, but then in game two, you scratch him. Like, what's the freaking point of this? Why don't we just pull the Band-Aid right off and put him down to Utica? It just makes so much sense. Like, Louie Erickson is doing nothing. Okay, you think Tyler Mott's better? Sure. Fair enough. I'll take that. I'll even take Tim Schaller over him. Yeah, sure. Fourth liner, giddy up. But Louis Erickson, to me, does nothing for this team. I think Fair can score goals. Good enough. I think his two-way profile is good Get enough for this here. lineup. Get I think it is. I think it is. You're confusing disappointment. But just move on him, though. Like, we know what we've got. Like, the person in the inboxing, they're showcasing him. You've got to be freaking kidding me. The guy has been showcasing. Everybody knows who he is in the NHL. Like that's If anything, you want to not showcase him. You want to hide him. You want to keep him <laughs> well, as far away from a TV screen as humanly possible. Press box, you know, I mean, that's where they're going to find him. Uh, guys, we did put out a poll question about an hour ago now, and we asked you, um, what should the Canucks do? With Jake Vertanen, and I'll tell you what, this is like back and forth right now. It's a good race. Uh, 452 votes at the moment, and it just switched. What do you think it's at? With, uh, have you looked at it? I have not. Okay, what do you think? Trade him or keep him? 51% of people right now? Trade him. 
Oh, wow. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's funny, too, because if you put this poll question out last year, people would be just going down our throats about it. Like, not well, ha- the house like, of negativity. The house, yes, of course. But I think it's like a lot of people are starting to kind of come around nowadays and see the warts that are on this player. To what does this organization owe this faith? They are three points removed from the worst team in hockey over a four-year span. Yeah, it's a little weird. To yeah. what is this appeal to authority owed? Yeah. yeah. To who is it owed? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, some questionable calls. Hey, in the inbox, guys, and you can clarify it for here as well. And by the way, that was Mayor of Wrightville Manifesto coming into the inbox right now. It's unsigned. Guys, sign your text. I want to hear from you. I want to give you the Sign uh, your text, people. Yeah, that's a terrible uh, Sakaris there. Uh, but somebody in the inbox here asking you, where is it? Here it is. It's unsigned as well. Uh, do the three that were sent to Utica have to clear waivers to get back up? If so, don't you think uh, Sven would be clear? Well, answer no, him, no, you don't have re-entry waivers yeah. as of the most recent CBA, and I think that's going to remain the case, which is interesting. It gives the Canucks a certain degree of flexibility, which they really don't need in this instance, but whatever, whatever. Uh, I, I think that if there were re-entry waivers, I would imagine that at some point Sven would get claimed. I think that... The, this is the, the time one, of the year to get guys up and because everybody's the, so crunched up with... You know, exactly. I mean, and, yeah. That said, I thought it was 60-40. That he would pass. I thought yeah, there was a legitimate so chance. I mean, yeah. you look at the Blue Jackets, they've got cap space. Yeah. You look at a lot of other teams who, who need to inject scoring into their lineup. Look, it, I, I just can't make sense of this. And I got a lot of people in the inbox telling me, he's broken. He's too hurt. They're doing him a favor. Yeah, there's a couple of those in here right then now. why did they play him at the end of a lost season? Yeah. How do you square that circle? How do you not see the cognitive dissonance yeah. between that position? That he was okay to play meaningless hockey games. And Coming off a concussion, mean, yeah. yeah. Meaningless. Yeah. Uh, do you think perhaps that there was uh, a chance that they did that so they could try and move on him this summer? What, to what exact end? I mean, they were getting a, a lesser version of him, if that is the case. But, like, and that's my question. Theoretically, anyway. Yeah, I mean, sure. But maybe that's because they, I mean, they're, clearly they're kind of moving on him by moving him down to Utica. Like, that wasn't just the preseason that determined that for them. It couldn't have been, right? Well, how do you sell it as a meritocracy if that is the case when you've got Louis Erickson playing on your third line in the opening no, night? I, you how just heard you exactly it, what I feel about Louis how, Erickson. How do you say it's a meritocracy when Jake Vertanen performs the way that he did in the preseason? Yeah. And maintains his roster spot, and now he's on the third line in game two. Yeah. How do you sell that to me? You can't because it's a it's a ph- philosophical divide between them and the way that this this sport is going. They think that they need checkers. They think that they need scorers. And let me tell you, style points don't count for a lot. It's who outscores the other team. That's who wins. Yeah, this is Rinkwide, the show that always scores. J.D. Burke alongside myself, Andrew Wadden. We're talking all things uh, Canucks here up until 3 o'clock. At 2.30, we're going to talk to Kent Wilson. Sometime around 2.30 or so, going to talk to Kent Wilson from the Athletic in Calgary. Get uh, the take on the opponent tonight as the Canucks uh, face off against the Calgary Flames. We do welcome your input. Uh, you can text us at 104040. Email us at live at tsn1040.ca. You can get at me on Twitter at Andrew Wadden, that's W-A-D-D-E-N or at TSN 1040 and of course at J. Dylan Burke as well. Uh, so Karis and I were golfing out on uh, Northlands as we do pretty much uh, weekly but uh, that was when they were the waivers were coming down and we were on our phones checking everything as we got around the track. And, you couldn't uh, just say that you're old? You had to say that you were golfing? 
It's just such a tired argument. Got him. No, you didn't get me. It's just a tired argument. What, you have to be old to play golf? Pretty much. Okay, sure. We'll watch the PGA these days, buddy. Uh, anyway, uh, we're out there. We're checking the phones, making sure that, you know, we're caught up on what's happening. And I'm like, whoa, Berchi just cleared. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by it. I thought for sure he would get claimed. There's another player out there that you brought up as well, and that's uh, Josh Hosang. And again, oh there's, there's, a, there's a big divide amongst people on whether they feel, um, you know, Hosang is an NHL player. I look at those AHL numbers, and that's what makes me one. And I know you're the advanced uh, stats guy, so maybe you can break it down on why, you know, this player is perhaps an NHL player. But, like, if he is an NHL player, and I have had other people say... I believe Craig Button was even saying that uh, he he believes that there's still some game. I could be wrong though. I don't want to. Uh, He's an NHL top mouth. six winger. Really? You think he so? absolutely is? But an, his numbers in the AHL don't determine that though. In the I mean, come on. His numbers in the NHL do. But his numbers in the AHL don't. So explain to me why he doesn't work in the AHL, but he would work in the NHL. I think he does work in the AHL, all things being relative, right? And I think a part of it is he's not happy with where he is. He's not happy with he, where he, he stands. He hasn't been the- happy since his midget days. He was having problems in playing midget hockey in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. And and what about Evander Kane? Uh, and well, don't Nick- even don't even put them in the same sentence. Josh Hosang and really? Evander Kane in the same sentence. Get Why out. not? Get out Why not? Here. Get out of here. I, I think that some of the stuff that's happened off the ice with him, you could actually yeah, decisively stay w- say was sure, worse. Sure. But Evander Kane produces at an NHL level at a high level for an NHL player. Hosang produces at a high level when he plays in the NHL. He's got 24 points in 53 NHL games. Yeah. And if you adjust at a per 60 rate, he scores like a top six winger. And if you look at his two-way profile, he drives play like a two-way winger. The Islanders spend more time in the opposition zone than their own when Josh Hosang is on the team. Their power play improves when Josh Hosang is on the team. So why why are the New York Islanders, why have they not, why are, why are you smarter than the New York Islanders? Looks I'm smarter than everyone. But I mean, like... Let's clip let's it. Clip it. <laughs> My God. I've seen you put that out on Twitter. Didn't think you were going to put it out on the airwaves. But anyway. Well, the truth hurts. So here's the thing, right? It's not working there for him. That doesn't mean that it can't work somewhere else. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I am saying. Okay, well, how about this? this Has is- a change of scenery not worked before? Like, we, we know that sometimes it's all that's needed. Okay, we know that. But again, Josh Hosang has had plenty of opportunity with the Islanders, what, and he's not getting it. What's the acquisition it. cost? What's the risk? Well, you could have got him for free. Exactly. So what's the <laughs> risk? What does this organization stand to lose by having Josh Hosang on the team? Do you? I, I will pose that question to you. What do they lose by having Hosang on an entry-level deal? The Canucks. Yeah. What do they lose? I mean, I guess they could take a flyer on him, but don't they already have that in Goldobin? Isn't, nope. isn't no. he their Goldobin? Well, yes, I think that he is analogous, but I think he's also a superior product to Goldobin. I do believe that firmly, and I like what Goldobin brings to the table. I do. But Josh Hosang is better. He's absolutely better, and there's a lot of data to suggest that's the case. Okay, so Scott and Langley just in the inbox right now. Would you rather, or would you rather? I hate that, by the way. Uh, would you rather have Goldie or Hosang? Hosang. Hosang, hundred percent. Like without even without even batting eye. I mean, I know what Nikolai Goldobin is. I know that this market uh, really. I, I 
I don't want to say everybody wanted to see Goldie succeed. I think a lot of us did. I was one of them. You know, you saw that flash. Remember that first game, the first goal? You, you just wanted to see that again. You're like, wow, they might have something here. And then, of course, I, I, I think I have, uh, I've gone down the path now that uh, the next place I think I'll see Nikolai Goldobin playing professionally and not in the minors is in Russia, I believe. I, d- it, I just it, don't it think he's going to be in there. the NHL. I, I I think it could be heading there. I I do, but look, if if the option is Goldobin for Joshua Hosang, you can store Hosang in the minors since he's already there. There's no waiver designation. Look, it's the ultimate uh, no risk, high reward play. I mean, here's the thing: the Canucks are at a point where all of the marquee trades of the Jim Benning era are going to 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 decay into nothingness. The Jonathan Dolan trade, widely considered one of the best maneuvers in this rebuild, is now Linus Carlson. The Alex- it's funny, sorry, not to cut you off, but the I totally Burroughs forgot trade. about him. Yeah, of course you did, because like, he had less than like half a point per game in the Allsvenskan. Well, see, that's where he is right now still. Okay. He's, he's, he's not a good prospect. And the other hallmark trade of this rebuild was the one that acquired Nikolai Goldobin. And they're at risk of seeing both of those rebuild moves fade to nothingness. Mm. Uh, in the inbox right now, JD, for a second, can you please stop looking at underlying numbers and analytics? Pay attention to an eye test for once. He does not have ten- he does not have tendency or tenacity, excuse me, and does not battle without effort. You can't make it as a pro. Please give your head a good shake if you need it. That is Trevor in the inbox. Don't worry, Trevor. I'll give his head a shake after the show there, but. Uh, well, look. Do, do, uh, do, 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 do you buy into any of that? I don't watch hockey games. Let's make one thing perfectly clear. I didn't go to Pittsburgh for a week to watch four or five hockey games a day live. I don't right, have a designation right, right. as a scout all right. with the premier prospect database okay. to watch you games. Can you read the resume to us? All right. I re- it speaks for itself. Look, you're going to tell me, Trevor, that you can divine from your television screen how much effort Sven Berchi is putting in? That's difficult to divine in person. So I applaud your ability uh, I don't know if to he's work talking, a sixth I, I, I don't know if he's talking about Sven Berchi there. I think he's talking about Josh Hosang or perhaps Nikolai Goldobin. Yeah, I'm sure that Trevor's watched all of Josh Hosang's tape. Maybe he has. Maybe he's a big Islanders fan, JD. Maybe. You know that. <laughs> oh, someone's getting a little spicy over there. You, you, you mad, bro? I'm never hey, mad, bro. Play the drop. <laughs> I'm never mad, bro. Oh, you croaker. Come on, buddy. You got to be quicker than that. I mean, look, the, the eye test is meaningful, but you can't just make stuff that? up. Thanks. You can't just make stuff up. You can't pull things out of thin air. I'm just, uh, again, like, when it, I see a player like Joshua saying, I realize why he got through waivers right now. And this is, again, like I said, the way to get people through is at this time of the year. But I just wonder, like... You know, he, this trade rumor stuff has been, it's been a multiple years now with them, and nobody's taken a, the bait. So, like... The Canucks came close once. It's my understanding that there was a Ben Hutton and Hossein deal that was discussed, explored. I don't know how far it went. So, do you expect Josh Hossein to be in the NHL this year? I don't know what I expect, truthfully. I mean, he just cleared for free. Yeah, uh, that was the Trevor just trying back in. He said, I was talking about Hossein, so... Cool, let's analyze his tape together. 
There you um, go, Trav. He's invited you over. Beers on him. You guys can watch tape together. Sounds like a blast. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been watching him <laughs> since Windsor or anything. All right, all right, all right. Jeez, getting getting up on your soapbox with that one, eh? Well, I mean, hey, listen. Like, uh, my point is this: is that this league is so heavily scouted that you know people have to have a book on him at this point. Right, so I mean, if 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 you know he's not working for the island, maybe the Islanders want too much for him. Maybe the Islanders are over uh, over evaluating the the asset. We'll have to find out. As far as Nikolai Goldobin's concerned, uh, w- with uh, uh, Scott and Langley suggesting that, well, would you rather have Goldie or Hosang? Honestly, I would. In my opinion, I don't think I want either of them. I don't think they fit on this Canucks team, either of them, but we'll have to find out. Uh, I, I eventually, we'll probably see Nikolai Goldobin in the lineup at some point. I mean, there's going to be injuries for the Canucks, and uh, so you'd expect that Goldie might be one of the first guys getting called up. Do you know exactly what is going on with uh, the three guys that got... Immigration. It is. It's, it's just, just standard immigration. Because the, the Comets start their season tonight, and they're not in the lineup? Uh, not not that you've seen. Not so far as I can tell. I think they're going to be cleared by Sunday. Is my is my belief? So my we understanding. Can ex- we can expect them in then. All right. Uh, Canucks and Flames tonight, guys. As mentioned, we always welcome your input into the inbox. It's uh, ten forty forty is the text or live at TSN ten forty is the email. You can hit us up on Twitter at Andrew Wadden. That's W A D D E N or at J Dylan Burke. On the other side, we are going to go to Calgary. Back to Calgary. Talk to Kent Wilson from the Athletic. In in Calgary. Keep it locked right here. It's the show that always scores. It's rink-wide and it's on TSN 1040. That's uh, Milan Lucic as the Canucks and Flames uh, get set to lock horns in Cowtown tonight. We're going to uh, talk to Kent Wilson from The Athletic in Calgary in just a second here. It's rink-wide. It's the show that always scores. JD and Andrew here with you and uh, driving a lot of discussion in the inbox over that Josh Hosang conversation we just had there. Uh, that's kind of surprising. Didn't know there were so many people uh, that were opposed to it. I, I, then again, I didn't know that you had such a hot take on him as well. Also, the uh, the fresh the subway fresh take poll. The poll question for today is: What should the Canucks do with Jake Vertanen? Oh, about five hundred and fifty votes right now. It's fifty fifty. Trade him or keep him. So uh, you know, Jakey seems to be a big topic of conversation uh, as always here in Vancouver. All right, let's head to Calgary now. Bring Kent Wilson into the conversation. Uh, Kent, thanks for joining Rinkwide today. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, so uh, just taking a look at uh, this Flames team right now, and of course, uh, this is a team that's built to win now, stating the obvious there. Uh, but after the disappointment of the playoffs uh, last year, what has changed in Calgary in terms of, you know, you got a couple of new players in there. You got a little more grit with Milan Lucic uh, uh, taking over with James Neal out the door. What's changed in Calgary, and how can this team uh, get to that next step? Yeah, in truth, not a lot has changed. Um, the Flames, given their cap position in the summer, didn't have a lot of flexibility to go out there and make big changes absent, you know, trade, trading someone like a Johnny Gaudreau or a Sean Monaghan. So they're, their hands were a little tied. You know, they, came, they also brought in Cam Talbot to back up Riddick. So um, I think what they're hoping for is some internal development uh, to get them past the first round. I don't think they're too worried about the, the regular season this year, but it's can they get it 
you know, take the next step in the playoffs. Yeah, David Riddick, uh, this, is a, this is a player to me that, you know, obviously they moved on, on Mike Smith. They, they figure that uh, uh, Riddick is their guy. Now, what's the plan with the goaltending situation? Of course, last year Riddick kind of came out and took the net for a bit. Mike Smith takes it back over. But what's the plan between Riddick and Cal, uh, Cam Talbot this year? Yeah, it looks like Riddick's going to get the reins at least to start the year. Um, I don't think he's going to be, you know, the, the absolute for sure, one A starter. Uh, he's he's too young to kind of uh, say that for sure. But they're going to bet on him early and see how he does, and then it'll be a competition uh, if he wavers at all. Rink wide on TSN ten forty. We're speaking with Kent Wilson of the Athletic in Calgary. Kent, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Milan Lucic trade. There are a lot of circumstances going into that deal. There's basically uh, if James Neal rebounds clause in there. Can you maybe talk us through the uh, the the you know the back channel workings of that trade as it relates to the circumstances surrounding additional picks, etc., and what the Calgary Flames' philosophy was bringing in Milan Lucic after some pretty poor seasons in Edmonton. Well, I think a lot of it actually plays at the other end of this trade. It was you know James Neal didn't work out in Calgary, and I think the summer there was an appetite on both for both parties to, to move on somehow. The problem was. Moving James Neal's contract, given the season he had, was going to be very, very difficult. And uh, I actually did an article during the summer saying, you know, here's some options for potentially moving uh, Neal. And one of them was trading him for another bad contract. And I listed Milan Lucic there. And it looks like just two teams trying to get away from contracts that haven't really worked and hoping that the players will you know, have better seasons in, in different places. Taking a look at the back end there, of course, uh, you know, your top four in Calgary is a, is a very strong top four. But if you look at a player like Rasmus Anderson, and of course there's some ties to Vancouver uh, with Rasmus mm-hmm. Anderson as well, just being that he was that piece that came over in the San Berti trade in terms of uh, who they drafted. Um, I know people in Calgary are pretty excited about this young kid. And uh, do you see, uh, you know, a point at the season where, you know, he's elevated up further uh, from that third pairing? Yeah, I think so. He he actually had some terms with uh, Mark Giordano last year here and there. Every time, you know, T.J. Brody would have a rough game or something, he'd get elevated. Um, And in fact, the team kind of tried to trade T.J. Brody this summer for uh, in the Nazim Kadri trade that didn't go through. So uh, I think they'd only do that if they had confidence in Rasmus Anderson moving up. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Brody doesn't have a he has one more year in his contract type of thing, but uh, I, I do think that they're planning on Anderson moving up from the third pairing probably sooner rather than later. Rink-wide on TSN 1040 with Kent Wilson of the Athletic Calgary. Kent, can you talk to us about the Matthew Kachuk extension? Three years at $7 million. It's akin to a lot of the bridge deals that we have seen across the league uh, in this summer and going into this this training camp even. Where do you think that leads the organization and the team? Do you think they're kind of in a stasis waiting for the market to readjust itself in light of a pretty transformative offseason in terms of the landscape for RFAs? Well, I think ideally they went into the summer hoping to sign Kachuk long-term. Unfortunately, to do that, they needed more cap space than they had. And uh, I think they probably shopped guys like uh, Michael Frolik and aforementioned TJ Brody to, to... free up enough cap space, but they didn't want to do it just as a cap dump. Uh, I get the sense that they, you know, 
wanted there to be a market for those players and get some sort of return for them. And when that wasn't true, they had to go sort of plan B and do the the short-term bridge and just squeeze them under the cap. I, you know, it puts them in the next three years. It puts it in the what I call the Johnny Goudreau window. Goudreau signed for another three years, uh, Monaghan for another four. So it puts together that sort of young core for this win-now window. And after that, I think all bets are kind of off. If you look at the Flames roster as a, a whole here, where where are they thin? Where where are there some question marks? Uh, <laughs> I'd say the right wing is a really big question mark on this team. They, you know, you have Elias Lindholm on the top line. He had a breakout season last year, which is good. And then after him, it, it gets thin really, really quickly. Um, Michael Froelich is still a, a functional utility player, and, and he matches well with Michael Backlund on that second line. But he's getting older. He doesn't have a lot of offense to him, and he could kind of fall off a cliff at any time, I think. And then after him, it's just sort of, you know, mishmash of guys. Austin Zarnick's a young guy. Maybe he's an NHL or maybe not. Um, and it just, uh, it doesn't even, they don't even have much in the um, farm team uh, in terms of at least natural right-handers. So the, the team has kind of been looking to fill that gap for years. Troy Brower was a failed experiment. James Neal was a failed experiment on the right. And at some point, I'm, I'm hoping they can find at least one more top six quality player to play on the right side. Now, Jim Benning got a contract extension going into this season, but he wasn't the only general manager out of the Pacific Division. No, Brad Treleaving got one as well from the Calgary Flames. Can you walk us through that and what the thinking was there? Because one might imagine for a team like Calgary that went into the playoffs last year, suffered a uh, fairly big disappointment losing to the Colorado Avalanche. Then you take into account the failed Troy Brower experiment, James Neal experiment. I mean, I, I don't think it was as much of a slam dunk. Uh, extension, as some might uh, have expected. What's your take on that situation going forward? I have expected ownership to kind of see how this season played out before resigning to living. I, I guess they had you know different thoughts on that. You know, that said, the team has been better off. Um, more, you know, better with him than before <laughs> he arrived. Um, before he arrived, the Calgary was kind of in disarray. They were weak everywhere, um, didn't have a big sort of future. And they've been getting better pretty incrementally over the seasons. And, you know, the playoffs last year weren't good, but they did finish with the second best regular season in franchise history. So he can definitely hang his hat on that. You know, he certainly hasn't been perfect, as you mentioned. Some failed UFA signings. Um, he still hasn't really solidified the goaltending uh, enough to my liking. But overall, the direction of the team is still pretty strong. Well, Kent, uh, looking forward to tonight's matchup. Of course, the Canucks uh, uh, were a handful for the Flames last year after taking three of five from that. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. And, uh, I mean, although we expect the, the Calgary Flames to be on top of the Pacific Division, a lot of people out here uh, hoping the Canucks are going to be sniffing around for a playoff spot. So uh, these games are definitely going to be important, even if it is game two of the season. Uh, Kent, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. That's Kent Wilson, thanks, Kent. athletic in Calgary. Um, yeah, pretty straightforward. What I what I figured in terms of uh, you know the analysis of the Calgary Flames, not a whole lot of things changed there. They kind of you know took uh, James Neal out, uh, Milan Lucic in. Um, you know, with the season that James Neal had last year, that was not the real deal, James Neal that uh, most people are used to. I expect him actually to have a, a much better season this go around with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but maybe that was just a fit. You know. The 
Oilers, of course, have more opportunity in their top six. But then when you look at you know the lines that the the Flames trot out, I mean, just look at that top line. It's got to be one of the most dangerous in the NHL with Monahan, Goudreau, and Lindholm. But that second line is nothing to uh, uh, you know uh, bat an eye at as well in terms of Michael Backlund and, and Matthew Kachuk there. Uh, Frolika, well, you know, like you said, they're a little thin on right wing, but uh, I expect this Flames team to be very strong this year and um, you know they have to be a handful of people that you think can contend for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, I think they're right there. I think they're going to be at the top of the Pacific right alongside the Vegas Golden Knights, and I, I feel pretty comfortable picking them for the second spot in the Pacific Division. Yeah. I think they got a lot of talent in that lineup. They've got a lot of talent in the wings, too, and that's something to keep in mind. you got Dylan Dubé in the, the minors right now. You've got a player like Austin Zarnick, who might be a Canucks third liner, who's a healthy scratch regularly. I mean, Michael Froelich is a spare part right there. Wouldn't the Canucks love a Michael Froelich to center their third line? Don't yeah. you think? Yeah, I do. Well, I mean, at the same time too, though, I I I do have hopes that Adam Gaudet is going to be the player that they want him to be, and you know, essentially that third line center that uh, the upside play. Yeah, exactly. Um, but again, just going back to this though, you know, in the Senberchi deal, um, you know, you did they got the second round pick that goes over to Calgary. They turned that into uh, Rasmus Anderson, and and you know, for those that aren't really familiar with this player. This guy is this is a very good player. Uh, they did very well in the draft, getting him uh, with the 53rd overall pick in the 2015 draft. Uh, you know, he's slowly coming along right now. Uh, last year, averaging uh, just over 16 minutes a game, uh, was able to put uh, 19 points up in 79 games. This year, his numbers are already up. I mean, it's just after one game, of course. Uh, but uh, this is a player that, you know, you could see, you know, being a, a Calgary Flame for quite a long time and a big piece of their back end moving forward. Oh, absolutely. And and you know what? I was talking about players who aren't getting premier roles because of the depth of that franchise. What about Oliver Shillington? Another one as well. And I mean, it, it's kind of the interesting thing. It's another one of those instances where we talk about Jim Benning's marquee trades. Pretty hard to say that the Canucks won the Berchie one now yeah. when you look at what's happening. Although yeah. the process was sound. Yeah, I know where that, you're going. Like, I, I, and I know, exactly. Like, that's I'm not going to be critical. That's one of those ones where you, you can go, well, I mean, come on, guys. It's a second round pick. Like, you know, that's just good scouting. If for the Calgary Flames and maybe a bit of luck as well. I mean, that's there's always luck that. happens. That's yeah. a component in yeah, the draft. Exactly. Like if, if you're going that late in the second round, you're talking about somebody who has a 20 percent chance, maybe 25 if you're lucky, yeah. of yeah. becoming a full time NHL or much less a top four defenseman. So I'm not going to be too critical because the process was sound. Yeah, and when you look at the window though for the Flames right now, like how many years do you, is it? Is it is it three years? And that kind of you know you look at the 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 Kachuk deal. You know he signed three. Through the 21-22 season, you know Sean Monahan a year after that. Um, you know, of course, Johnny Goudreau the same year as well. Uh, that window, you know, it's three, maybe four years right now. I mean, but the only thing is, is that Mark Giordano, you know, he's 36 right now, getting up there, uh, still has three years, including this year, uh, left on the contract. You know, whether you can get three good seasons out of Mark Giordano, but then at the same time, you know, you look at that defense, and uh, you know, maybe Rasmus Anderson will be that guy that takes over. 
uh, for Big G after uh, you know his career sort of starts to wind down. So some good positives there for the Calgary Flames and uh, a real good test for the Vancouver Canucks tonight uh, as they head into Calgary to play against the Flames. And like I said, they took three of five last year against them. So it'll be interesting to see if the Canucks uh, can get a W tonight on, in enemy territory. All right, one last segment to go here on Rinkwide. We'll put a bow on the show and we'll uh, we'll let you know what's next coming up on TSN 1040. While every other team is busy making cuts, the Mori Nissan team is giving you more, like over $6,000 more. During these final days of Mori Nissan's clear-out event, the boys are letting you choose between 0% financing for up to 84 months or get $6,250 cash financing. Get more during these final clear-out event days at Mori Nissan of Burnaby and Coquitlam. More, 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 more. That's right, it's the goal horn. You know what that means. Brinkwide is on your radio. It's the show that always scores Andrew Wadden and J.D. Burke. Some good stuff there from Kent Wilson as we broke down the Calgary Flames, the opponent for the Canucks uh, tonight as they are in Cowtown to face off. Am I the only person that says Cowtown when it comes to Calgary nowadays? Is that like, is that like saying Van City? Like nobody says Van City here, right? No, not really. No? The people no. from Calgary, do, do they roll well, their I eyes? I mean, you're from that? the six, spelt six I X. It wasn't the six when I was there. Was it the dot? It was of T dot. T dot. Oh, God. But honestly, Holy I, Mackinac. buddy, I've been here for, I've lived here longer than I lived there. Okay, Toronto. So guy. therefore, I'm, I am a Vancouver boy nowadays. Sure. Anyway, I don't call it Cowtown. Okay. Uh, the Canucks in Calgary tonight to f- uh, face off against the Flames. Uh, inbox, very active today, guys. We really appreciate Lots all of your mail. interaction. Yeah, everybody telling J.D. how much they love him. It's it's weird. It's like a, a love-in here with uh, J.D. Burke. Uh, but we did have a, a lot of response, on a lot of response on the, uh, the poll question that we put up, which is still 50-50. The question we asked, what should the Canucks do with Jake Vertanen? Trade him, keep him? Well, I gave it away. 50-50 right now, 615 votes in. And some of the replies on Twitter, uh, we want Shotgun Jake, all in caps. Another one, time's up, Jake, sink or swim. Another one, we all need that uh, the same tired narrative to end. And uh, he goes, hashtag shotgun joke. See what you did there. Uh, another one. This is uh, also on Twitter. Uh, I think we should. I think he would do better in a city where he didn't grow up and doesn't know all the local watering holes. And yeah, but you know what? This is Shane on Twitter. Uh, Shane, you can go to any city and find where the, the local watering holes are. And you know, maybe there is something to be said about uh, playing in your own city, kind of maybe getting away uh, from what keep what you're comfortable with. Uh, so there might be something to that. Um, there's another one here. This is uh, the Greece. I like this handle at the Greasy Euro. Uh, Jake for Honka. Both need to change a scenery. The problem with that, you have to trade Tanov as well, which is an expiring contract, which we absolutely uh, should trade him. Uh, and then Ron Jones is uh, trade JD to a communist country. So I had a great time in Cuba when I went. Yeah, I went to Cuba as well. It's fantastic. I loved it. It's, it's a beautiful place. I smoked a lot of cigars while I was there, which I don't. Don't smoke 
any tobacco at all, so it was kind of weird. You don't want to inhale it, that's for sure. I also drank a lot of rum there, but I guess that's just when in Rome kind of thing, or when in Havana, right? So oh, 100%. I did enjoy my time in, Very in, in Cuba as well. Very hospitable um, Guys, so the uh, Canucks and Flames tonight, as I mentioned, if you missed any of the show today, uh, our producer Jason Croker will have it up on uh, tsn1040.ca or you can find it on iTunes or wherever you uh, download uh, your podcast from. Some closing words here for today's show, JD, uh, as we take a look at tonight's matchup. Uh, again, uh, we did kind of flirt with this earlier in the, in the show, but, uh, you know, I know it's early to be talking about measuring sticks, but this is a good test for the Canucks tonight. Yeah, it's a, it's a good test. I think that the one storyline for me, and this is perhaps a bit niche, is going to be whether Jake Vertanen kills penalties. Because I think that's something that his game is well suited to. Mm-hmm. We can talk about whether it is a showcase, whether it isn't. I think if he has a future on the Vancouver Canucks, I think it behooves him to add that to his, uh, add that arrow to his quiver. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has the physical attributes that would lend itself well to killing a penalty. You need people who can cover a lot of ground, who have a degree of physicality, people who can transport the puck up ice, uh, because that is a crucial component, pinning the, the opposition down in their zone, right, to kill time. I think Jake Vertanen has the tools to do that. I would love to see him get some leash on the penalty kill, and I think we're going to get our wish. That's going to be a really interesting interesting thing to follow. Yeah, what are you expecting tonight from the top line? You think that we're going to have a, that nice breakout uh, between because again, we didn't see PD Bess and Ferlin play together at all in the preseason because of, you know, Ferlin going down with the uh, flu and then of course Besser getting the uh, concussion as well. So, do you think that tonight is the ni- I mean, I-, I think any night is the night that you can see Elias Patterson uh, break out because he has that ability in my opinion. I think he's going to be a top 10 player in this league. I don't think I'm going reaching too far with that. Uh, but, you know, to see the gelling with the new line mate in Furland and having that jump tonight playing against his old team and his old stomping grounds. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Absolutely. And I, I don't think that Furland had that fire under him that he needed in that first game. And yeah. I think that that's reasonable. I mean, he just came off of a flu. I'm not judging his contract based on one game in Edmonton. I would like to see that he's recovered a bit. And I'd like to see him put an exclamation mark on that with a strong performance in Calgary in front of a team that he might feel spurned by. They traded yeah. him. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, use that as a motivation. Although Furland does seem like a genuinely great guy. So who knows? Maybe it's all good feelings about Calgary. Whatever the case, I I want to see him get in on the forecheck, dig out loose pucks. I think he has a role to play on that first line, and he can be a bit of a linchpin for how they create offense. Yeah, he can be the greasy... Well, he's not Euro, but he could be the greasy Canadian, I guess, in that spot. Uh, and then, you know, Besser would like to see him get on the score sheet as well. Uh, also keeping an eye on what's going to happen on the back end tonight. I know you were quite impressed with Tyler Myers, what you saw so far, small sample size, but had yeah. himself a decent game. I'm interested to see what kind of minutes uh, Quinn Hughes is going to log tonight. I mean, is he going to be the kind of guy that is, you know, oh, well over 20 minutes a game and just, you know, work? Because you know the way that uh, Travis Green likes to deploy, and if he feels you're going, he'll put you out there. Look, the Canucks are all about team speed right now. Yeah, That's one of the big impetus. Who generates it the uh, most. Yep. And, 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 and Quinn Hughes brings that to the table. And he looked fine defensively uh, in that last game, except for when Dreisaitl kind of shoved him aside. But that's going to happen. Dreisaitl is a very Hold large... What? Who the hell is Dreisaitl? Dreisaitl. 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 Yeah, you said it weird there. Oh, God. Did it, am I wrong, Croaks? Did he say it weird? You just said it differently there. Okay, yeah. Dreisaitl. Oh, they said it different again. 
Oh, All dry right, Zyda. Anyway. There's no Zed in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, there's no Boston Bruins either, so... Hey, go to go to Southern Ontario. That's the way you say it, baby. <laughs> anyway, All right. anyway, other than that one instance <laughs> in which a very large power forward, yeah. likely on dry Seidel, who would do that to many defensemen in the NHL, other than that instance, I thought he defended well, and I thought that he played a significant role in this team's ability to transition the puck up ice. Excellent underlying numbers. I think Quinn Hughes is such a key to this team's success this season. And Travis Green if keeps going to that well. He's going to find water. Real short, because I know we're, we're just right up against it. Sorry, Jay, but I just want to get your opinion on this. Lucic, Ferland, squaring off tonight? I don't care. You don't care. Eh? I don't, I don't care. see it happening either. And honestly, Fighting in hockey is stupid. And if it was, well, I just kind of, I don't mean necessarily dropping the gloves, but you, you know, I, I get the feeling that Lucic will be out there trying to stir up the pot. But again, we'll have to find out. Uh, offside Bring with it Eric. very slowly. Offside with, yeah, exactly. He's coming at me. Uh, offside with Eric McLamala is next. And coming up later on here on TSN 1040, it's the Lions, it's the Argos, 5 p.m. pregame with uh, Far and Burnsy, and then at 7 o'clock it's the kickoff with the Moj Julio and Karen Sermon want to thank Travis, or Travis Thomas Drans from The Athletic in Vancouver for joining us Kent Wilson from The Athletic in Calgary want to thank Jason Croker for producing the show, he'll have the podcast up guys at the end of the show, tsn1040.ca or wherever you find your podcast, for J.D. Burke I'm Andrew Wadden, this has been the show that always scores, hopefully the Canucks can score a few tonight, it's Rink wide here here on TSN 1040. Have a great Saturday, everyone.